want you guys to witness something. Feel it in my spirit, so I'm going to say it. What you heard from my wife, you're going to hear that voice restored. You just remember that, mark it down, and it's going to happen. And so, babe, it's going to happen. I declare it in front of the people because I know it. I've been telling her that for months now, and uh, we're going to see God move. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. And good morning to our online audience, our online family. Hey, guys. Good to have you with us. I was just informed, I talked to Ashley this morning to make sure, because um, she follows all the analytics and stuff, I really don't keep up with all that, but we have at least 10 different states that watch us each week, and at least probably two or three different nations. Come on, isn't that awesome? Thank God that God is using technology to be able to get the message out there. As a matter of fact, why don't you just... Put in a little message right there if you're on Facebook and say where you're from. I know YouTube doesn't really activate the chat portion, but uh, it's good to have you guys with us this morning. And I don't know about you guys, but I am grateful for God's presence. Amen. I'm grateful for his goodness. I'm grateful for his grace. I'm grateful for his love. And I'm especially grateful for what I believe that God wants to do in the lives of his people this morning. Let me ask you something. How many of you know that God desires for us to grow? Now, I know that there are a lot of you in this room that you don't like change. But God loves change in the lives of his children. And for any of you that are parents, you understand that concept that no good parent would want their children to remain where they are, right? But we want them to grow. We want them to mature. And last week, God gave me a picture when we were in worship of an adult riding a bicycle with training wheels. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord tell me to say to the church, it's time to drop the training wheels. It's time for us to quit leaning on the things that has taken the place of who God wants to be in our life. You see, here's what the world does. The world, they look to their bank account, their backbone, and their bachelor degree to be their source. But listen to what the scripture says. Psalm 20 and verse 7 says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we're going to trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen? All right. Nothing wrong with mentioning, you know, those things I just mentioned, nothing wrong with those, by the way. There's nothing wrong with having a good bank account and putting a good backbone. But what's wrong is whenever we put our trust in those things rather than God. Are you with me? It's okay to have things just as long as things don't have you. Let me say it that way. Well, hey, last week I gave you the first installment of our new series called Storytellers. And really what this series is about is how God allows our story to intersect with his story. It's a grace-filled confluence. Now, that's your $10 word of the day today, okay? It's a grace-filled confluence, a merging, a coming together of God allowing us to be a part of his story or history. And it's something that I believe that God wants all of us to do. And that's for us to tell others of the things, the good things that he's done in our lives. As a matter of fact, King David, he models this very thing for us when he says in Psalm 66 and verse 16, Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. Now, if you have your Bible and you're following along with me right now, I just want to encourage you just to underline or just circle that phrase, I will tell. Or if you're taking notes, write it down, I will tell. Many years ago, I heard a story about a doctor who had went into one remote part of India where blindness had struck a significant percentage of one particular village. And after examining the people, this doctor was able to determine what was causing their visual impairment, and he knew exactly what to do, what procedure needed to be done in order to be able to fully restore their eyesight. And so he performed that procedure on all of the people that couldn't see, and they all received their eyesight back fully restored. Then the chief of that village 
He came to the doctor with gratitude and with tears in his eyes. And he didn't say thank you. But he said something in, in his language that got translated back to the missionary as this. He said, I will tell your name. You see, this was the greatest honor that that village chief knew to give, to tell his name. Friends, the greatest honor that we could ever give is to first praise the name of Jesus, but then to tell his name. And the thing that I think that's so cool about this story that I, I just told you is that it perfectly aligns with what the scripture speaks. In Psalms 22 and, and verse 22, the scripture says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You see, watch this. God wants us all to be storytellers. He wants us to tell others of the things that he has done in our lives. Now, for our current series, I mentioned that we're going to be looking at several different uh, people in the Bible, and then we're going to glean from their stories. But I want to throw out this verse to you, Romans 15 and verse 4, which says that for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we may have hope. Now, this is going to be a particular scripture that I'm going to reference probably often throughout this series because you need to know that in life, you will have need of endurance. Are you hearing me? I mean, you may not be facing anything uh, difficult right now, but hey, difficulty often comes in like a tornado, with very little warning, and when it hit, it often hits hard. And if your foundation isn't secure, Jody already said this, if your foundation isn't secure, difficulty will take you out. Are you hearing me, friends? You and I need endurance. And the Bible says that endurance, it comes from the stories that we read about here in the Scripture. It also says that scripture will bring you encouragement and give you hope. And look, I can testify to you that this is absolutely true. Now, last week, I started this series by sharing with you my story uh, because many of you know that Jody and I uh, have faced some pretty big storms uh, over the last year and a half. Um, How's it you've been saying it, babe? She says, the 40s haven't been kind to us. I think that we could have went all the way back to five years ago. We're 45 now. Um, she's only 25. But, um, but uh, we just want to talk about the last year and a half. And, and by the way, when I, I say my story, I, I'm not here uh, to say that my story is the greatest story you'll ever hear because it's not. There's something much greater, and I'm not here to compare stories, all right? I'm just here to share my story with you guys in hopes of bringing encouragement to those who may be going through something uh, difficult or that certainly will be at some point in life because no one gets to live life without difficulty. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now that word persecuted, you know what I mean? Difficulty. It means you will face trouble. It means that you will be mistreated. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor, golly, man, I'm not sure that I want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus if that means that I'm going to live a difficult life. But, friends, life is difficult anyway. Like, it rains on the just and the unjust. And, I mean, imagine, imagine how hard life would be without God. How many of you have heard the saying, I'm up the creek without a paddle. That's the PG version. I grew up with the other version. If you don't know that, then, then just don't, don't ask, okay? Don't ask, don't tell. We'll move on. <laughs> but in life, watch this. Without God, you're up a creek. And not only do you not have a paddle, you ain't even got a boat. Are you with me? Well, let me just pick up where we left off last week and... Um, you know, last week I shared with you the things that led up to when Jody shared with you guys some of the things that I was experiencing, the neurological issues that I was having, 
and how that I was going to take some time off until we tried to figure out what it was that was going on. Let me just say this real quick and briefly for those of you that don't know. Uh, I'd gotten to a place to where I couldn't read. I was losing my words, like bad, big time. Um, I had even gotten to the place, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it again for those of you that may not have heard it last week. I got to the place to where I didn't even know the difference between a dime and a nickel when it was asking which one's worth more. True story. A picture of a, a lawnmower was put in front of me, and I didn't even know what it was. Now, I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but I just need you to understand, you know, some of the things that was, was happening. And by the way, if you didn't listen to last week's story, go listen to it. I'm telling you, these stories, they build one upon, it's like jumping into a TV series and starting at, you know, the, the second episode. You got to go back and catch the first episode or you're going to miss something, okay? And so all that's online. I encourage you to go listen to it. But as I mentioned last week, uh, Jody shared with you guys that there was some uh, things that was going on in my life. And she mentioned that on December the 5th. And up until that day, that was the most difficult moment of my life. I did not want to come to church that Sunday, but I came, and I'm glad that I did, because it was during worship. We sang that song today. I got a little excited. Y'all probably said, who's that making that noise? That was me. Yeah, because you know what? It was during that song when we said, I thank God, praising God right in the midst of all hell coming against me. Watch this. When all hell comes against you, all of heaven is fighting for you, and heaven wins. But it was during that point in, in worship that God really brought freedom to some extreme anxiety that I was facing. That's why you need to be at church. I'm not saying that God can't set you free in your backyard. Absolutely, he can. But there's an atmosphere of faith. Well, the saints of God that have been praying all week long. There's something that, that you just can't get just, you know, sitting in your backyard. No, God will meet you anywhere. Yes, he will. Don't hear me wrong. But I'm telling you, there is a God-ordained moment when we come together as the saints of God. That's the reason he tells us to not forsake the gathering of the saints. So we come together, and there's things that God does here. And so, church, I want to share with you something that I know is true. Because, like I said, I did not want to come to church, but I came. Here's a point, and this is worth writing down. God honors those who choose to do what should be done even when they don't feel like it. Oh, that's so good. Y'all should have gave me more amens or that's good, pastor, because that's good. That will set you free. That's a key right there. I'm telling you, this is, and, and can I tell you, this is right at the very essence of faith. Doing what we should do, not just when we feel like it, but all the more when we don't. By the way, I'm not just talking about coming to church here. I'm talking about anything that we know to do that is good and right and true. As a matter of fact, the scripture says anything that, that we don't do, that, that, that it's not in faith, that it's, it's sin to us, that we miss the mark, okay? But anytime that we do something that's good and right and true. And like I said, I believe that this right here, it really is the key to finding freedom. Because watch this, our freedom is connected to our faith. And our faith is connected to our obedience. James 1.25 says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Did you hear what that says right there? He will be blessed in his doing. God blesses the life that acts in faith. I mean, there's a reason that we have an entire book called the book of Acts. God didn't just expect us to have a mental picture of what to do or just an internal belief, but he wants us to put those things into practice. And sometimes it's an act of faith just to show up. Amen? How many of you can relate to that? As a matter of fact, that's a good word to hold on to in regards to your prayer life. Yeah. You may not feel like praying each morning. And you may not even know what to pray. That's okay. Just show up. On December the 5th, I just showed up. That was all. But in my showing up, God 
spoke a word to my heart. He brought freedom to the anxiety that I was feeling. And as I mentioned last week, that tumor which was causing all of the mess, which I didn't even yet know about, it was still there. But guess what? You can still find freedom in the midst of your difficulty. My wife has a a difficult time speaking right now, but she's found freedom. You can still experience peace in the middle of the storm. And see, I think this is why so many believers have yet to find freedom. Because they're, they're waiting for their circumstance to change before they do the thing that God has called them to do. Remember what we just read, he will be blessed in his doing. Watch this, God has called us to activate his word in our lives. And if you're not sure what he's calling you to do, let me just tell you what I know that he's called us all to do. Right? Tell his name. Tell his name. Tell people about Jesus. Hey, you know what? We should try and make it hard for people to go to hell in our city. Are you with me? So on December the 5th, I experienced a breakthrough. And again, it didn't eliminate my problems, and it didn't ignore them. It just no longer allowed them to control me and my, and my soul and my mind and will and my emotions. Because watch this. Faith doesn't ignore problems in our life. It just refuses them a place of influence. But then on that same day, December the 5th, at about 9.30 p.m., I got a phone call that no parent ever wants to receive. Megan, my oldest, my 17-year-old, called me screaming and crying, again, on the same day, screaming and crying on the other end of the phone and said that someone hit her when she was driving across uh, the Buckman Bridge. And both her and Paige were in the car, and it tore off the rear bumper, and it damaged the whole right side, driver's side. And the other car that hit them pulled a hit and run. Now, Paige wasn't hurt in the wreck, but Megan's back and neck were injured, and they're actually, her back and neck still hurts to this day. And I'm not going to go into all that details about the wreck other than to say these two things. I've learned something about our adversary, the devil. Oftentimes, when we score a victory against him, he will quickly come with a counterattack. And I'll tell you why he does this. Anytime God wants to do something good in your life, the devil wants to discredit, discourage, or dismantle that good thing that God wants to do or that good thing that God has done. Let me say it another way. <laughs> the thief comes but to steal, kill, now you see it, right, and destroy. And sadly, I, I see this happen all the time. I'm talking about people who they surrender an area of their life to Christ. And as soon as they do, the devil wages a counterattack against them. And he strategically launches those attacks in a way that he knows that he'll be able to get to them. I mean, what better way to get to me but then to try to do something to one of my kids. Parents understand what I'm saying? Now, thankfully, when this happened, Jody and I, we, we were very much aware that this was a spiritual attack that was going on. And what happened to Megan that day, and this is so important to catch this, what happened to Megan didn't nullify what God had done earlier that day. Are you with me? If anything, you know what? It verified it. Because it was proof that the devil was trying to take us out and it made him mad because he failed. Now, where might that be relevant in your life? Well, it could be relevant in your job. For example, let's say that you work hard, right? You give your best. And then all of a sudden, your boss, he doesn't acknowledge it or even worse, he comes and he just comes down on you. And then you think, well, ha. I'm not going to go out of my way anymore, do all this and get ignored or do all this and that's the way he treats me. But watch this. The Bible doesn't say to do everything as unto your boss. Hello, I'm going to let that one linger and percolate. 
It says, do everything as unto the Lord. And watch this. And when we do that, see, it's a perspective shift here, church. Because listen to what the Bible teaches. It says, and when we do that and we realize I'm not doing that for anyone else. See, sometimes you've got to do things and it's not for your spouse. It's not for your kid. It's not for your neighbor. But you're doing it for the Lord. And when we do that, the scripture says that the Lord will pay us according to what we do. But you see, it's so easy for us to, to forget that. And so we allow the enemy to bring about what I believe is misdirection. Now, y'all with me this morning? And so the enemy may try to bring a counterattack to your front door even this week. Like, let's say God does a great work in your life uh, here this morning. One in where, I don't know, maybe he brings uh, some freedom from fear from your life. Some freedom from anxiety, maybe some freedom from addiction or some, some other area. And you leave here today encouraged. But then a friend talks behind your back. But then your transmission goes out. But then you get your bill from your home insurance, and it goes up $1,500. How many of y'all can relate to that one? That very thing happened to me, $1,500. Help me, Jesus, man. But watch this. If and when those things happen, the enemy will try to destroy that good work by getting some misdirection, by taking the focus off of the good thing that God has done. And then we're supposed to go out and we're supposed to tell others about that good thing that God's done because then we're going to testify it. And then whenever we do that, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so then it creates revival. But we keep our mouth shut because we don't talk about it because we're over here talking about, can you believe my insurance went up $1,500? When we need to be going and saying, guess what the Lord has done? Church, this is the key to revival, taking our focus off the stuff of this world that the enemy uses to discourage, discredit, and dismantle, and put it on God. So the greatest thing that you could do when you get that $1,500 increase is say, glory to God, my God will supply, a supply. he is Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, and he's going to supply all my needs. Amen? Come on, amen, somebody? You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again. Don't doubt in the darkness the things that God has revealed to you in the light. Y'all agree with what I'm saying right now. You're getting amens. I'm getting head nods. But see, we got to put this into application because it's not just enough for us to know it. Like, look, just being a know it, knowing it, that, that, what's that going to do? Yet people say, well, no one's half the battle. Well, 50% is an F on any test that I ever took, right, teachers? Hello? The other half, so we got to put it into application. Let me try to segue back into the story. <laughs> here's, a, here's, here's another point that, that I just absolutely love, and that is I love how God uses people. I think that we have no idea how often God wants to use people in our lives. Almost right after Jody, I'm sorry, Megan was in that wreck, God sent a tow truck driver who immediately went up to her because she was there, stopped right in the middle of Buckman, and there was all kinds of traffic going on at that time of day for some reason. And um, we were on the phone with Megan, and he came and said, hey, I'll take care of her. And uh, he picked up her, her rear bumper, which was further down, that got knocked off in the wreck, and then he led Megan to the other side of the bridge because she was pretty shaken up and took her safely to a parking lot where we met him just a few minutes later. And he stayed with us until the state trooper got there, which was probably about an hour and a half before the state trooper got there. And um, he was a huge source of encouragement to all of us. Now, what's the point in saying that? God has people all around us that he wants to use to minister to us. But the question is, do we recognize it when he sends them? Or are we allowing those sources to be discredited for whatever reason? Church, I got to tell you something. During all that I, I walked through in the recovery and everything else, I had... Several different people uh, send me words of encouragement, and some 
uh, some prophetic words. And watch this. Some of them came from some very unsuspecting sources. I mean, like, if I can be honest with you, like, I could have easily allowed my mind to discredit uh, some of them because their lives may not have been on par with others who particularly I may have wanted to prefer to hear a word from. Are, Are you with me? But watch this. No man or woman is perfect. And if you are waiting for a perfect man or woman before they can come and help you or minister to you, then you're not going to be receiving any ministry from a human. Are you with me? Because I can promise you that that person that you think has it all together doesn't. And if they say they do, they are lying. <laughs> Listen, the way we discern whether something is from God or not, it's, it's one or two ways. One is we filter it through God's word. Because God is never going to tell us to do something that is contrary to his word. Are you with me? I just feel an unction for a moment, so I'm going to follow that. So that means if you're not married, that means if you're having sex and you're saying, oh, no, I think God's for this. And in God's mind, we're just kind of married anyway because, you know, isn't that? No, no, stop it. That's a lie. That's not what God's word says. Well, you know, whenever I just write this on my taxes, I mean, you know, the government's already taking enough of my money anyway, so I can just go ahead and write this, and it ain't going to be that big a deal. Stop it. We want to know why God hasn't blessed us. Mm, All right. So the way that we discern is we filter it through God's word, right? Now, having said that, I know that there are some things that necessarily aren't black and white when we're making decisions in our lives. Right? Like the Bible doesn't tell us whether we should go and buy a, a, a Mac or a PC. It doesn't tell us whether we should buy a Ford or a Chevy. My pops back there would say that uh, that's because you buy a Dodge, right, boss? <laughs> Here you go. The word Dodge is actually in the Bible, okay? So, but I'm not sure that good hermeneutics would drive you to be able to go out and buy one with confidence, all right? Hermeneutics, there's your other $10 word for the day. See, y'all are getting to leave today with $20 worth of words. Come on now. (laughs) But then there's a second way that we know whether something is God. Watch this. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd. Oh, yeah, man. John 10, verse 27. That's what Jesus said, that sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And the voice of another, they won't listen to. Look, I can take any other female in this world. Even my kids, who one of them, at least for sure, sounds a lot like her mama. But you know what? I know the voice of my wife because I've spent a lot of time with her. Yeah. God's spirit will lead you and guide you. But watch this. You can't expect to know his voice when the only time you talk to him is when you need something. I'm not saying that he won't hear you because he will. I'm just saying that you won't be able to hear him. Because you won't know which voice is his or which voice is is something else. You won't know if it's him. You won't know if it's just your emotion or if it's a friend or a coworker or someone else that you're listening to. Friends, I've said this many, many times, and I'm going to say it again. There is no substitute for time spent with Jesus. And listen, I don't care how long you've been saved. We never graduate from needing to spend time in God's word and in prayer. I mean, think about it like this, if you would. Like, think about it like a marriage. Imagine if you had been married for 25 years. Jody and I are getting ready to come upon our 25th wedding anniversary in May. Isn't that awesome? Bless God. Come on. Excited. And after being married for 25 years, I know Jody. I know more about Jody. I know her I know her more than anyone on this planet. But watch this. Imagine if all of a sudden I never spent time with her. Because this right here is where a lot of believers at. I don't think that I even have to always sell this to new believers. New believers, like they know they don't do, know what they're doing. And so they're like, oh, okay. And so it, it's the ones that's been in church for a long time. That says, I can quote a lot of scripture. Well, guess what? So could the Pharisees. Hello? 
Guess what? So could the devil. But yet, imagine if after 25 years, I just decided, well, I'm not going to spend any time with him. Imagine if I just stopped talking to him. Imagine if I had stopped listening to her. Imagine if the only time I ever said anything to her is when I asked her where something was or I needed her to do something for me. Now, hopefully, none of you can relate to that kind of marriage. If you can, then this point is for you, for both of you. We can never forsake our time with Jesus. We can never think that we can go through life on our own and only talk to Christ when we need something. Watch this. That won't work in a marriage. There's good advice. And it won't work as a Christian. Hey, we've tried to make it as simple as possible as to who and what we're called to be as followers of Christ. As a matter of fact, we've broken it down to three words, three simple words that we use around here at Destiny Church. And they're the foundation of who we are. And those words are Christ, community, cause. And look, if we would just pursue those three things, our lives would look radically different. Pursue Christ first and foremost, right? Because we seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will be added to us. But we pursue Christ first and foremost. We never neglect time spent with him in prayer and in his word. But then second, we need community. Guys, listen to me. There are no lone rangers, or there should be no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. God himself said that it's not good that man should be alone. And many of the problems that we face in life is because we've not surrounded ourselves with the right people. We feel like it's our, our, our job and even our duty as the church to make sure that there is at least some forms. I know there's ways that you can get connected in community uh, in your everyday Monday through Saturday life, but one thing that we try to make uh, available for you guys is community groups. And it's something for me that, you know, I could take a bunny trail just for a moment if that's okay, but listen, I believe where we're going as a church, I believe the day may come when all of a sudden, not only would we get shut down in the theater because we're not going to be in the theater forever, hallelujah, but even if we had our own building, that all of a sudden they said, you can't worship any longer because uh, what you're saying is considered hate. And so we're shutting you down. We're pulling your 501c3. You think that won't happen? <laughs> 20 years ago, I'll just say this. There's things that I said would happen and people looked at me like I was crazy. And it is not only accepted, but let me give you a key word, celebrated in our country now. Are you with me? So don't think this can't ever happen here in America. And so what are we going to do when that happens? That's the reason, I, and I'm just throwing this out there. I didn't mean to talk about this, but listen, that's why we are strategic about community groups. Because if all of a sudden they shut this thing down, guess what? We can keep operating. We can keep meeting. And not only that, you need people in your life. You need accountability. I know you, I come to church. That's not accountability. Look, you can worship with the crowd, but you can't fellowship with the crowd. You need people in your life that's not just going to call you out, but call you up. It's going to be a source of encouragement. Oh, I hope I catch eyes with every single person that's not in some form of community group that's out doing life on your own. No mavericks around here. Hey, Maverick had goose. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, look, you need somebody. And we try to make that. This is not the only way. I'm not, no condemnation if you're like, man, hey, I've got community and we're already doing this. But if you don't have community, man, stop. You're hurting yourself. Like when all of a sudden we don't get paid for our statistics and say, hey, man, we got 30 community. We're doing that for you. Are you with me? You, you need, I, I need people in my life. I've got community in my life. I, I, I surround my, I, I got to have people. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another, or one woman sharpens another. You know, you know we, we need that. But here's what I think what happens. I think that oftentimes we, 
We're afraid of community. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody right now. Lord Jesus, move on their heart, spirit of God. But you're afraid of community because you're afraid that people are going to, to, to judge you. And so, therefore, you hold back. And it's a lie is what it is. God, I mean, it, we, we need to learn to be honest and open and transparent with one another. Because that's how God wants us to operate with one another. Are, are you hearing me this morning, church? I just feel right now so much that, listen, community is what some of you guys are lacking. Like, you love Jesus. Like, you, you, you pray, you read your Bible, but you, you're, you're, you're saying no. You're saying no to, to a lot of opportunities that are in front of you. And you're missing out on a blessing, guys. You're, you're missing out on a blessing. And I think oftentimes the reason we do that is because, you know, we're afraid. Well, man, if I, if I tell them this, you know, or, or what, you know, well, I've been in relationships before and I've been hurt. Man, who here in this room has never, ever been hurt by a relationship? Please raise your hand. I'll give you time. You've never been hurt before in a relationship. Now watch this. How many of you guys have been in a relationship to where there's been some hurt, but God used that because you're still married to that person and God worked it out, and you're like, you know what, ended up being a good thing. Put your hand up. Oh, I'm going to put my hand up. Yeah. Yeah. But that's relationship, right? And so what we're talking about here is being in community, Christ, community, and in cause, right? That's the third one. We should be about the causes of Christ. What's that mean? That means that we should be serving others in some form or fashion in our lives. And if you don't know how you can serve others, again, that's something that we just tried to provide. I know that many of you may already be serving. Thank God. That's awesome. Continue to do that. We want you to do that. But for those of you that are not serving, again, you're you're preventing yourself from receiving a blessing. The Son of God came not to be served, but to what? Serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. So if we're going to follow in the footsteps of our Jesus and walk as Jesus walked, then we've got to do the same thing, guys. No servant is greater than his master. And if we're saying that we are followers of Christ, that means we've got to follow in his footsteps. And so we've got to be conscious about this thing and not only conscious about it, but just do it. Right? You don't have to find the perfect thing. Just find something. You don't have to do everything. Just do something. And again, that's something that we have made real easy here for you guys. And we want you to know that there are plenty of opportunities to serve. Plenty of opportunities. If you want to know how, I know that Pastor Daniel would love to meet with you. And you can come up to him and say, count me in, Pastor Daniel. And he'll say, you're in. I assure you. There are three things that we should be pursuing. Christ, community, cause. Man, how about that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Right there, that's community and that's serving people. And guess what? All the law and all the prophets hinge on those two things. That's Jesus, by the way. That's Jesus. We pursue those three things, Christ, community, and cause. Not 613 things. That's the law of Moses, okay? The three things that if we'll commit to, watch this, we will see. I prophetically declare to you because it's the word of God, and so therefore I can say that. You will see the blessing of God on your life. Amen, somebody? Now, today is um, part two of Storytellers, and I had planned on uh, telling the rest of my story uh, in just two parts, but um, there's no way that I could have got it all in one message, and it was also very clear to me, just when I'm writing my messages, which, like, I don't go to sermons.com. Um, I don't even know if that's a real thing or not. Um, I, I really listen for what God wants to do, and I think I even shared this last week, that sometimes God will call an audible, and so I was going to wrap it all up in a bow, you know, today, and uh, as I started writing these things down, it was very clear and evident to me that the things that I would be talking about today, the people that were supposed to be here needed to hear this, and so I just gave you a, a little bit more of... Um, my story, and so you're going to have to come back next week to hear the best part, uh, because the best has been saved for the last, I promise you.
and, um, and this place is not filled up. There's plenty of empty seats here. And so I threw out a challenge that I want to encourage you guys. Next week, um, unless he throws another audible at me, we really are getting into that, like the part that's going to bring a lot of encouragement. Church, invite people to come, right? What did the scripture say? Come and see is what David said. We read it earlier. Come and see, come and see. I'm not saying that you have to go out and you have to lay out the Romans road and, and, and throw out the five scriptures in Romans. Not a bad idea to do that. Hello. But it's pretty simple to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday, man? You love my church. I'll take you out to lunch. Right? If you can't afford to take them out to lunch, I'll buy their lunch and give you the money. How about that? Truth. But bring them. Okay? All right? So I'll encourage you with that. But um, as the worship team, as you guys get ready, come on back up. Um, Here's what I want us to do, and it's something that we're going to start shifting towards uh, because um, it's time to make some changes, and um, I want us to start having ministry time because anytime someone's here and they need ministry, there should always be an opportunity for ministry to take place, and so um, that's going to happen here in just a minute. I'll give you a little bit more instruction on that in a little bit, but let me just say that after that Sunday morning and that Sunday night, December the 5th, we had 18 more days until we got news that rocked us. And I'm going to talk about that next week for sure. But I want to share one more concept with you that I hope helps you whenever you face various obstacles or attacks in your life. There comes a time when all you can do is hold ground. Jody and I were holding ground as we were facing all of these attacks that I've mentioned and some of the ones that I'm going to be talking about next week. And we shared this concept with our our staff um, just last week. Because since COVID hit in March of 2020, we've been holding ground. And actually, almost every church that I've talked to and that I know in America has been holding ground. But watch this. And this is what I want you to know about holding ground. That's not a bad thing. Actually, it's a good thing because holding ground means that you're not giving up ground. Are you with me? I was talking to uh, Coach Carter this week who also happens to be a history teacher and he said something that was so good. Um, that lit my spirit when you said that, brother. He said that holding ground is actually a tactical move for the military. Because it's during this time of holding ground that you reinforce your troops. And you bring in the resources necessary before advancing. It's also a time that can allow those who are injured to recover. And I teach you this point because you need to know that there is a proper time to just hold ground. Hey, don't get me wrong. We all want advancement in every area of our life, but there is a time for healing. There is a time for preparation. There is a time to secure resources that are needed in order to accomplish the task. Hey, I can tell you about plenty of times that I moved forward when what I should have been doing was holding ground. Look, for those of you that don't get this concept, let me say it to you another way. How many of you know what a holding pattern is? I mean, if you've ever flown on a plane for any length of time, likely you've been in a holding pattern before. And this is a time where the pilot, he'll circle around the airport or, or circle around uh, the city because something needs to be done on the ground before the plane can land. Maybe you've heard the pilot before come on the microphone and announce that air traffic control has placed them in a holding pattern. See, most of the time whenever uh, people hear this, people get uh, frustrated because that means that it's going to mess up their plans. But watch this. There are things that are happening on the ground that need to be done in order for the plane to safely arrive. And in my life, and in your life, there are times that God will put us in a holding pattern. A time where we may not see what it is that God is doing. 
and it may appear to mess up our plans. But God is at work setting everything in place until the proper time. See, look, church, that's right there where we say, I will make my plans, Lord, but you direct my steps. Do we, do, are we good with that? Are we good with saying, I'm going to trust in you, Lord, with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding? That means leaning in on my own plans. And we would be wise to trust God when he puts us in that holding pattern. The worst thing that we could ever do, watch this, is go ahead of God and not listen to him whenever he sends us into a time of holding. Because the reality is, and this just caught me and hit me in my spirit right now, I didn't have this thought, thought through, but oftentimes when we advance, when he's called us to hold ground, we can actually lose ground. Let me say that again. When you advance and God's not told you to go there, that's called kicking doors down. You kick my door down, you're going to be in trouble, Jack. He's not called us. He holds the keys of David, not you. He opens the doors that no man can open. He shuts the doors that no man can shut. Quit trying to take the keys away from him. You go forward when he's put you in a holding pattern, you may lose ground. The worst thing that we could do is, is, is to go ahead of God. That's, that's what Abraham did. That's what Abraham did whenever he went ahead of God and he hooked up with Hagar instead of waiting for the promise of a son to come from his wife, Sarai, right, or Sarah. And here's what you need to know about going ahead of God, much like Abraham. Going ahead of God will create Ishmael's in your life that you will have to live with. Are you with me? So we hold ground. We don't give up anything to the enemy. We trust God that when he puts us in a holding pattern, and we don't go forward until the right time. Church, timing matters to God. You see, trusting God also means trusting God's timing. Here's where I want to close this morning. I just want to ask, in what areas of your life do you need to trust God in? Maybe you need some direction this morning. You're not sure whether God has called you to advance or to hold ground. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have several of our, our prayer partners who's going to come up front. And um, as the worship team uh, starts up here in just a moment, um, for whatever it is, that you have need of. Don't leave this place without having someone stand with you in prayer. Look, this is what the body of Christ is for, to lift one another up, to encourage one another, and to stand in agreement with one another. There's 28 one another's in the New Testament, and God has called us to come together and to be with one another, to pray with one another. Here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to ask all of you guys to stand with me. Stand to your feet if you would. And I'm going to lead us into a time of prayer. And as soon as I do, don't hesitate. Don't wait. But come up here. The moment I close my prayer and I say amen and the worship team starts singing, the prayer team's going to be up here, and for whatever you need agreement with, you can share it as little or as much as you want with them, but they're going to pray with you, and they're going to believe God for you. Amen? And so when I pray here in just a moment, make sure that you come down. Hey, listen, today could be the day that you get what it is that you need from God. Are you hearing me? Because His Spirit is already here in this place. But James 4, 2 says that we do not have because we do not ask. Don't walk away not getting what you need because you've not asked God. But watch this. The scripture says where two come together. Watch. Touch and agree. It will be done. And so I know in this place, I know that I know that I know that there are quite a few folks that you have need in your life. And if you don't, you say, man, I ain't got a need one. We're going to have a different conversation. I may change my sermon next week. Yeah.
we all have areas of our life that we have need of. So don't hesitate. Don't look around to see if anyone comes down. If there's an area of your life you want to see God move, today may be that day. Don't hesitate. Get out and come down. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the body of Christ. I'm so grateful, Lord. Lord, that we can encourage one another, that we can stand in agreement. God, what great freedom we saw last week through our ministry time. I said, God, for whatever area, for some of you that are here that you've been holding on to forgiveness and you need someone to pray with you so that you can get free from it. Oh, my goodness. This is for someone in the house, in this place. I sense it by the Spirit of the Lord that it was a, uh, a relationship that hurt you and you've been holding on to it your whole life and it's time to be free from it. There's some of you here that you've been praying for a provision, believing God for uh, something in your life. I even believe there's some young people here, you're kind of praying about some direction for college. You're not really sure, and you're even believing God that you'll be able to go. And so that's where we go and we say, hey, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, so, Lord, would you come and would you provide? So I thank you for it, Lord. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's God who heals us. He heals us physically. He heals us spiritually. He'll heal us also in our soul, our mind, and our will, and our emotions. And there's some of you here this morning, you need healing in one of those three areas. Come and let someone stand in agreement with you and watch what God does. Amen. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty. We thank you, Lord, that it is for freedom, Christ, that you set us free. And so we thank you, Lord God, for that freedom, Lord, and that we will stand, Lord, on a firm foundation, never, Lord, subjecting ourselves to the yoke of bondage ever again. We thank you for the work that you began in our lives. God, we thank you, Lord, that you will be faithful to complete it. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. And so we thank you, God, for who you are. Be glorified in this place. Move, Lord. Move, Spirit of God. Move upon the hearts of your people, Lord God. Tear down lies that have been believed. Break. Break bondages. Set the captive free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on down, church, and let's worship.